Thank you for listening to the Vine Church LV podcast. For more information, go to www.thevinechurchlv.com. I'm like ready to go, but like, like I don't think y'all are ready to come with me. And so <laughs> I do need you guys to wake up just a little bit uh, because we are going to be talking about uh, uh, spiritual warfare today. And guys, like we talked actually not last week, but the week before, we can't fall asleep on this topic. We can't be lulled to sleep on this topic, right? Because we're going to talk, we're going to start a series of, and the series is called Did Jesus Really Say That? And here's the intention of this series. Ready? The intention of this series is to come right into this church's Kool-Aid. So when I'm saying that, I'm talking about the whole point of this, uh, this series is to address maybe some bad doctrines that are in this house that need to go away for us to walk victorious and come take the city. Uh, the things that I see that reoccurringly pop up, the things, the struggles that I see that try to take us down, uh, and, and the fact that we accept them thinking that it's good doctrine... And so today we're going to talk about warfare. And the next week we're going to talk about religion. And then just to jump into some of y'all's lap, the week after that we're going to talk about generational curses. And how that ain't in the Bible. But we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that on week three. We're, too, we're a little too early for that. It's in the Bible until you have Jesus. But um, then it's not there anymore. Uh, but the, the point of all three of these weeks is going to be, listen, when we have Jesus, it needs to change. Right, so spiritual warfare has to change before I know God compared to after I know Jesus. Ephesians chapter 2 says the spirit of the power of the air was once at work in you. But that Jesus saved you from that. Right? Because in Ephesians chapter 2, what Paul wants to let you know is you can have the Holy Spirit or you can have a spirit, but you can't have both. And I think it's been a long time where we sit back in the church and we've allowed, well, yeah, I have God, but I also have an orphan spirit. I don't know what Bible you've been reading. It's not there. I have God, but God, but I also have a spirit of fear. But, but how is that possible? Right? I have God, but, but, there, but the demons are in my room every night. Can, can I get a witness on these things? Uh, because here's the thing. Uh, I want you to raise your hands real quick. Uh, actually, not yet. Don't get ahead of yourself. What are you guys doing? Uh, if you believe Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, can I see a hand? And if you believe he's your Lord and Savior, can you keep it there for a second? All right. You really believe it. You really do. Say, I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Now look at your hand. Now look back at me. Now look at your hand. Now look back at me. So you really believe that you're saved. So then I want to give you a word. You cannot have an orphan spirit. It's unbiblical. You cannot have a spirit of fear. It's unbiblical. Now, you can have fear, but it's not a spirit. I can, I can feel rejected, but it's not a spirit putting rejection on me. It's not allowed anymore. It's not biblical. Because a spirit of fear was once in me, as Paul says, it once was at work among you. And once, see, here's the thing that Paul says, and so it made you children of wrath. Can I ask you a question? Is a Christian a child of wrath? Well, then it's the spirits that make us that. So if you have it in your life, the answer is yes. But it also means you're not saved. 
right? And so I think it's what's more likely to happen is that I'm a little afraid, and instead of owning my fears, I push it off on the enemy because then I don't have to be accountable for what I'm going through, right? And so what it's time for us to recognize is that if you're in this house today, you are free. Listen, the Bible wasn't talking a big game when it said, who the sun set free is free indeed. Amen? And so we're going to talk about warfare. We're going to go to everyone's favorite warfare verse. And then later, we're going to go to the verse that should be everyone's favorite warfare verse because it basically says the opposite of the verse we all know. And the verse we know is, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And that's the verse we quote. And we say, well, see, I'm just going through it because the enemy's attacking me because I'm a wrestling in flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. What is Paul saying in that moment? He's saying when you run into someone who's acting evil, don't be mad at them, be mad at the spirit. That verse has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. It has everything to do with what's on them. So then why, well, I rest not against flesh and blood. I have a spirit of fear because it's on me. No, they have a spirit of fear. <laughs> and you're the answer. And we're going to jump into some context and let you see that that's actually what Paul is saying. And so you're not allowed to quote that verse anymore when you're on the streets. What that verse needs to be is a reminder to you, I don't hate this person. I love them. But something's making them kind of hateful. <laughs> something's making them easy to dislike, right? But, but they're not easy to dislike, it's what's over them. It's the principality that they're wrestling with that now we're going up against. Because when the, when the laws begin to pass about abortion, look, we got to love the people passing those laws because it's a spirit that's over them. We're not wrestling those people. We're wrestling the spirits passing the laws, but that spirit's not on me. And we got to stop giving it that right. Amen? Today's a message that's going to be really victorious-focused. But it's also going to be, okay, guys, let's, let's look in the mirror as a community. And let's see why are we allowing this in our church when it has no right. I heard a wise pastor once say, Jezebel always came into our church until we stopped giving her attention. And then she never showed up again. I noticed the only people that are really struggling with spirits are the people that are already super anxious before a spirit showed up, right? It, it wasn't the spirits that made us that way. It was us being that way that opened a door, right? So what's happening is I'm not wrestling that. It's not my war. It's not my battle. Amen? There's going to be an underlying theme to my next three messages, right? Because did you just really say that? I have three weeks and then there's a fourth week as like a question mark. Is someone's going to preach? I just don't know who because God hasn't given me the message. And so I'm like, oh, someone's going to have a message. Probably Teacher Thomas. But, you know, it could be anyone else. And then the week after that is going to be uh, Pastor Zach coming in. Uh, so the next five weeks are looking good. But I want to give you kind of an under theme for the next three weeks. And here's, the, I stole this directly from Judah Smith. Don't even feel bad about it. Ready? Here's the real question. How's your soul? How are you? If my spirit is infinitely good and perfect, and in love with God. But my flesh is still toying with the things of this world. And the soul is getting caught in the crossfire. How's your soul? Because when a spirit shows up, he can't possess you. He can't come on you. But he can make you overthink. And there's his access. The original sin. The original sin was Adam and Eve. How, but I thought Satan sinned before. Why is Adam sin the original sin? Well, when Satan went and whispered to Eve, 
He said, hey, did, did God really say that? And the Bible says that Eve looked at the fruit and she saw it was good. And so she partook. Satan didn't play in that. He just talked a big game. Everything happened in her. <laughs> That's our Christian experience in a nutshell. Satan can't make us do anything. He can't make your day bad. He actually has no right to it. The best he can do is shout and scream, and are you going to listen to him? Because I'll tell you what I've been doing lately. I used to have massive sleeping issues. I used to not be able to sleep at night. I used to be honestly just depressed. I used to be able to un... Just insomnia was kind of one of my things. And then you know what I do now? I sleep like a baby. And I hear people, actually many of you in the room, so that's not directed towards anyone in particular, um, many of you say, man, I just can't sleep, man. I'm just having struggles, man. There's just spirits and the enemy. And like, I hear it a lot and I want to give you freedom. We're going to talk about what the Bible actually says. Amen. So do, do me one more time. Those hands, all of you who believe Jesus is your Lord and Savior, which by the way, uh, let's go back two weeks. Y'all evangelize. <laughs> I don't want every hand to be saved in the room from now on. Okay. That's a bad move on us. But now put this hand on your heart and do yourself a favor really quick. As we jump into this message, pray for yourself that we'd be open. Because I'll, I'll give you, I'll be honest with you. Last night, my wife and I talked about this message. And there's about five or six times during this message where she was offended. Because she was like, but I, I believed all this for so long. Wait, no, show me this in the Bible. And we went through verses after verses. And we don't have time to do that today. But me and her had to dig and dig and dig on topics that are taught a certain way, but are not biblical. And so pray for yourself real quick that your heart would be open. Amen. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for every person in this room. God, I pray we'd be intentional about being free, God. We'd be intentional about being under you and being surrendered to your plan and your will for us, Father God. For your word promises that you will perfect us, God. That we are your workmanship, Father God. That we are your responsibility and that we are your children. So God, I pray that we'd have the faith to lay on you and depend on you and nothing else, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities. Let's dive into context. Amen. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start on verse 10. Um, I'm really excited for the G Jesus really say that. Uh, now, me saying to Jesus really say that, that's kind of just like a fancy title. Really, it's just hitting doctrines that aren't biblical, but that are really alive here. And I want, again, the purpose isn't to beat you over the head with certain doctrines. The purpose is every one of these three doctrines, some of our views on them actually cause us to be less effective in Jesus. Like, I, I can't find a world where us thinking that we have spirits over us is a world where we're effective Christians. Like, and so what it does is it clams a church up under the belief that spirits have any right in our lives and every right over us. They have none, and we're going to have all kinds of fun talking about that today. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in his power of his might. My strength is in his power. Let's go. Uh, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle, there's the verse. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Oh, flip it. Against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. Before the verse was, hey, be strong. And after the verse, let's put on your armor. And then we sit on the verse that says, oh, I'm struggling. 
when the verse before and after a verse is a power. You know what I'm saying? If God is sandwiching something, <laughs> you know, the theologies in the verses around, right? Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you be able to withstand the evil in the day and having done all to stand. Can you guys say stand? That's the only thing you got to do when it comes to spiritual warfare. And I'm going to define what standing looks like. But your job as a Christian is to plant and trust God. Amen? To stand. Verse 14. Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, shield of faith, shield, what does that even mean? Uh, the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And make the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, and take the helmet of salvation, don't make it, you don't make salvation. Uh, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and all supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end, with all perseverance and supplication for the saints. Dear Lord in heaven, I pray for these last 30, I can't even see that. It's not going to hold me accountable. The next 33 minutes, Father God, that you would bless today, that you would bless what's being spoken, Father God, that you would bless me to speak your word, God. God, I pray that there's none of me and all of you in this moment today, Father God. God, I pray breakthrough that we no longer be bound in this room to things that have no right over us, that we would walk free and dedicated to the call you've placed on our life, God, and dedicated to the fact that we are your children, Lord. And in Jesus' name I say, amen. Uh, if you guys remember when I preached the awe and wonder message, and I think most of us were here, and if you weren't, I'm going to give a quick recap, because uh, big hint, any message I talk about for the rest of my life now is going to land on one of those five days, one of those five daily things, because... I just hit all the really big basics. Um, but when we hit on wonder, I talked about the message where I, when I went out and these kids were bullying me and my father had threatened the bullies pre-Jesus or pre-like real Jesus, you know. Um, he threatened the bullies and then I was able to walk around kind of like I own the place. And what I said was my confidence didn't come from who I was. It didn't come from my strength or my power. My confidence came from the fact of who my dad was and how the people around me actually had to bow down because he, he was bigger than them. Uh, you know, with God, it works similar. It's just not quite so, like, bully-like. <laughs> uh, like I said, it was pre-Jesus, and he just threatened 13-year-old kids, and he's giant. So they were like, oh, I'd rather not die. And so they listened. Uh, but Satan's in a similar boat where the Bible tells us that when we see him, we'll see how small he really is, and we'll be surprised at his smallness. So when God goes, hey, don't touch them, what's he going to do? He's not going to touch them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And uh, I had a friend. Okay, so there's, when you're in high school, many of us are like two, in my little friend group, there was like two different types of us. One were the people who thought they were tough, and the other one were the people who actually were tough. Right, and so me and my, like, uh, I had a friend named Jared and a friend named Josh, and we were like, the three of us were like the three amigos, right? We were the three best friends that anyone could have, right? And so we hung out, and we, we did everything together, <laughs> and, and we had friends around us, specifically a guy that we called Nemo. Um, Nemo, I love the guy to death, a little crazy, a little bit. With a name like Nemo, how could you not be? Um, and, and like, no, but I'm saying like, like one time a guy honked 
his horn at him when he was walking at a crosswalk. And the guy like rolled his window down and said, what are you doing? And Nemo just punched the guy in the face while he was driving a car and broke his phone that was in his hand. Just boosh, and just broke it in his hand. So needless to say, me, Josh, and Jared landed in that we thought we were tough. We always talked a big game until someone showed up and then we're like, oh my God, Nemo, Nemo. Like, you know, but like, we always like, yeah, what's up? I got you. Like, we're gonna wreck face. I mean, not me, they were. I just stood with them. Right? I'm, I'm a pastor. No, but we were always just so, we thought we were just so tough because we made really big friends. Um, and, and I'll never forget a night. We were walking, and, and there was a guy asking if he, could, uh, if he could borrow our phone. It was like nighttime. It was like 1 in the morning. And we were just hanging out. And we are walking down the road trying to avoid the cops because curfew was a small town. And, uh, and the guy's like, can I borrow your phone? And like I told you, my friend Nemo had just broken his phone. And he said, oh, no, I'm not going to lose my phone again. And the guy said, yeah, whatever. I would have stole it anyway and walked off, you know? And my friend Josh looked back, and he said, yeah, we would have kicked your butt if you did. But he didn't say butt. It was a lot less, right? He's like, we would have kicked your butt if you did. And the guy looked back and said, what? And Josh pulled out his phone and pretended like he was on the phone. It was the funniest thing. And uh, so he says, yeah, we're going to beat you up if, like, okay, so, hey, how you doing, Mom? Yeah, I miss you. And, like, when the guy turned back and said, what, like he was going to fight, Nemo looked and was like, what? Right? And then suddenly Josh wasn't on the phone anymore, and he was like, yeah, that's right. Like, you know, it was, it was great stuff. I'm not saying that me and Jared also didn't do that, uh, but I just remember Josh doing it so vividly because it was so slick. It was just like, oh, yeah, what was that? Yeah. And, like, it was the greatest thing ever. And this dude looked at Nemo, and he looked at us, and he just walked away. Right? And he didn't walk away because of Josh. <laughs> he didn't walk away because of Jared. He might have walked away because of how intimidating I am. But the odds are <laughs> he walked away because of the giant dude that had the crazy look in his eye. Right? Um, and so what happened is me, Josh, and Jared, we actually never really got into a real fight the entirety of my high school career. Never a real one. Because we always had a big friend, and the friend was always bigger than everyone else. Right? And so when the fight would always begin, our friends would step up, and we would just stand behind them, and we never had to throw a punch. Right? That is literally exactly how it works with God. It is not your job to go take on the enemy. It is not your job to overcome him. It is not your job to beat him or tie him up. It is just not your job. It's your job to stand behind your tough friend and just talk a big game. Right? In the name of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all you got. Like, oh yeah, yeah, Jesus got you, son. What you got on me? But that's like actually how it's supposed to be. You're not supposed to be the one chasing the demon down. It's not your job to anoint the four corners every Sunday night so that a demon can't come into the room. He already can't come into the room. Amen? And not without getting his butt kicked when we worship and God shows up. Amen? I had a friend named Kelton. And Kelton would pray day and night. We called him like an encyc- a Bible encyclopedia. If anyone was like, oh man, what's that verse? He'd be like, oh yeah, uh, First Ezra. Like, like you just say, First Ezra's not a thing. Uh, Ezra chapter one, verse two. And he'd like pull out the books that no one has ever read. They'd be like, yeah, what, what is this? And he's like, oh yeah, and that's, and he's his brother and he's his cousin, right? And he would like track you back to Genesis like off the top of his head. And we were like, dude, shut up. Like instead of like being grateful for him, we were like, we hate this guy. He thinks he's so much cooler than us, right? Because we were good Christian boys and we wanted to be seen as more knowledgeable than him. So we had to hate him, right? Because you can't, you know, critique those unless you demonize them first, but that's a different message. And so what we had to do was <laughs> we had to begin to, we, we, we began to not like this guy very much. And I'll never forget, I got forced to move in with him. Yeah. And he was like, he was as weird as I thought he was. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just like that. Um, dude's super anointed. Dude's going to take over the world for sure. But at the time, I just couldn't appreciate where he was at. And I'll never forget one day I was by myself in the house. And he would always tell, we talk about, like, God, I cast a demon out. And Kelton's like, I never saw that stuff. So we'd be like, ha, because we're more anointed than you, we could cast the demons out and you never saw them. And he'd be like, yeah, whenever we did stuff in youth, like, people would just get healed. I never really, I never really had to deal with it like that. And so one day I'm praying by myself at the house. And I really felt like God told me to go into his room. And when I walked into his room, I felt God instantly. And I'm telling you, like, when I sat on the bed, and this is, like, weird spiritual stuff that might freak some of you out, like, the bed indented, like someone was sitting next to me. It was super trippy, and I was like, what is going on, right? And so I was, like, praying about it, and I was like, you know, God, like, (laughs) why did you show up to me like that? And I'll never forget something that God really planted in me personally. I really felt like it was something he was teaching me. He said, no, I never left, right? And so when Kelton comes home, he walks into a presence that I'm already here. You know, like he doesn't have to continuously set an atmosphere. He's so, he's so set an atmosphere that I love that I stay. And like for me, that was an eye-opening, game-changing revelation where I'm like, well, what did this guy do all day? Well, he'd come home. He'd wake up at like four in the morning, right? And we'd hear him worshiping until like nine or ten. And then he'd come out and hang out with us and be weird, right? And know the Bible inside and out and be super spiritual and know everything about everything about everything. But what happened was he was living a life that set an atmosphere and we all thought he was weird. And because he was so confident in who God was, he didn't care what we thought. Right? You have to walk into the power of God before you stop caring how people, what people think about you. And the reason why people affect us and the reason why we're so affected by spirits and things that attack us is because we refuse to live a life that demons can't walk in. Amen? And I want to talk to you if we go and look at the armor of God. If we go and look at the armor of God, the first thing we see is the belt of truth. And the thing about a belt back in those days is the belt held everything together, right? What held, what held the whole armor together was truth. And Paul is saying, put on the whole armor of God. Why? He's saying you need to not be uncovered. You need to be covered. But covered in what? Well, first things first is truth. And when Philip is hanging out with Jesus and all the disciples are there, and Jesus says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And they get sad saying, Jesus, where are you going? And he goes, why are you sad that I'm leaving? I'm going to come back and get you. And they say, show us the way. That would be enough for us. And Jesus says, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. When you're putting on your belt, you're just putting on Jesus. Because he is the truth. So what part of truth is my responsibility? Just recognizing it's the truth. That's The belt, I just got to put it on. I don't have to go get it. I don't have to go earn it. I don't have to go fight for it. I just put on the truth, and here's why that's so important. You have an orphan spirit. Well, that's not biblical, and the truth is I'm free. And the reason we get attacked is because we don't clip it on, right? But again, that truth wasn't, we didn't fight for it. We didn't have to know it. We didn't have to study it out. It was just Jesus. It was just knowing the character and nature of who he was, and does orphans sound like Jesus? No, I did not make you orphans, but rather I called you into the spirit of adoption. How can you have an orphan spirit if your spirit on on you has adopted you? That's literally the opposite. That's the opposite of the gospel, right? That's the opposite of everything Jesus came and taught us. It's time to start putting on the truth and recognizing who am I. The next, we have the breastplate of righteousness. 
And God says that Jesus came and died in our place so that we could be the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. Your breastplate, guess what that is? That's Jesus. <laughs> I got a verse where it says that our righteousness is through Jesus. And so when the enemy comes to tell you and say, hey, what you did was so bad, you can't go back to God. Well, the problem is righteousness means right standing. And that means no matter how bad you are, God still accepts you. And so when the enemy says, hey, you can't go pray, and you actually say, you know what? Yeah, I have sinned. I can't go pray. All that means is you forgot that you were already right with God. You already forgot. No, actually, I get to go freely anyway, and there's nothing the enemy can do about it but complain. And I don't care about his complaints, right? He wants us to remember our past so we'll forget our future. But really, he's just trying to forget his future by living in our past, because his future's revelation. He's going into a pit of fire, and that sucks for him. But that's not my problem, and I'm going to keep walking forward as the righteousness of Christ Jesus. Amen? So my belt's not my problem. It's just knowing God. And righteousness isn't on me. It's just knowing God. I forget the next piece of the armor. It's the shoes. The shoes, right? The, the shoes that are shod with the gospel of peace. Those shoes were cleats. What do cleats help you do? Stand. <laughs> That's it. If you go study First Peter or Second Peter, I think it's First Peter. Peter talks about how we're ambassadors of Christ. And uh, something we've talked about in this church many times is that an ambassador is someone that even though they're in another country, they walk according to the laws of the country they came from. Right, And so um, the American embassy in Japan, I don't even know if we have one there. We probably we do. Perfect. Teacher says it's true, and I believe him blindly. Um, we have an American embassy in Japan. And if a Japanese man walks into our embassy, he has to walk according to our laws. Right? And it doesn't matter that he's a Japanese citizen. He's on American soil. Well, so Jesus gets put on a cross, and his feet get pierced. And when his feet get pierced and he begins to bleed from them, he bleeds these shoes. And what that means is everywhere we walk, we have dominion. See, it's the opposite of how a wor an earthly embassy works, which is I have this area. If you come in it, you're my land. Well, Jesus anointed our feet and says, I have this area. Wherever you go, you own. And so when I walk into a place that's broken and defeated because my feet are shod with the gospel of peace, I'm not like, oh, this is a principality's area. No, it's not. Not anymore because I'm here. So why did Jesus say go and spread across the world? Because then his kingdom would be everywhere. The enemy is only allowed to operate where the kingdom is not. And if you have the Holy Spirit, then the kingdom is in you. So then when you go to those places, it has no right to be there anymore. So be confident. There's no, oh, well, God didn't tell, call you to go there. So because you went there, the enemy attacked. No, shut up. I'm going to go there, and even if I shouldn't be there, God's going to talk to me later about it. But that doesn't mean the enemy somehow gets to beat me. That's not how it works. <laughs> I'm still in charge because my dad's bigger than yours, dad, <laughs> because I have Nemo. And it's just my job to get behind the truth of God that I buckled on and say, yeah, get out of here before I come up and whatever. I'm just going to go take the room, right? <laughs> but that is one of the major truths. So I'm more teaching today, but this is a bigger message and I don't have a lot of time. So we're going to stand in teaching for the day. Um, so, but again, if everywhere I walk, I have dominion, then how come when I'm in my room, the enemy still shows up? 
Because all I have to do is stand on the truth, and I'm not. All you have to do is remind the devil of his place. In the disciples' prayer, we call it the Lord's Prayer, but, you know, Jesus told the disciples to pray it. Um, In the disciples' prayer, Jesus says, on earth, as it is in heaven, what you bind on earth, I'll bind in heaven, and what you bind on in heaven, I'll bind on earth. Something like that. Oh, what you loose. Yeah, what you loose. (laughs) Whatever you loose on heaven, uh, loose on earth, I'll loose in heaven. The thing with the Greek on that is if you look at the Greek tense, what it says is whatever you bind on earth, I've already bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth, I've already loosed in heaven. So basically what that means is Satan may be running his big game in some areas of town or something, but when we show up, Satan's actually already loosed him. Satan's already been bound in the kingdom. And so when the kingdom shows up and I say, hey, yo, get out of here, we're just reminding him that he's bound already. And now we're binding him on earth as he's already been bound in heaven because we're taking heaven with us, right? And so the thing is, is like you're going, I'm like, man, how do I overcome this enemy? Actually, he's already been overcome. It's just your job to talk about it. (laughs) You know, it's just your job to stand on it. Amen? Does that make sense? Because that's like the tougher of the ones to describe. Everything else, we're going to have some smooth sailing. And uh, good thing I took notes because I I already forgot again which the next one is. Yeah, the helmet of salvation. You know, I don't even, I got you, bro. You got him. Um, (laughs) The helmet of salvation. Okay. Let's get controversial. For those he foreknew, he predestined and called according to his purpose. Who saved you? God. Jesus says, I can only take those whom the Father gives me. I'm I'm uncomfortable now. We're talking about predestination. I know. I know. But it's a real thing. (laughs) Right? You really have been predestined by God. He really does love you and he really does have a plan for you. So Paul says, by faith, by grace you have been saved through faith. Right? And he says, it's a gift so that none can boast. Right? So I've been saved by God so I can't boast about it. And if I can't boast about it, and if I didn't earn it, I can't lose it. And so when the enemy says, no, you've sinned too much and God can't have you and you believe it, it's because your helmet's not on. Oh, actually, that didn't work because I'm saved. Oh, no, you see, the problem is you can't go, at least you can't go pray to God because you're too dirty right now. Well, actually, I'm saved and saved is perfected and sanctified before God. So actually, I can go into his presence. The enemy actually can't talk game to you unless your helmet is off. You have to forget you're saved to be overwhelmed by the enemy. But I'm here to remind you that whom the Son set free is free indeed. And I don't care what your experience is. It's time to let your experience know the truth of the gospel. Amen? The the enemy, he's a manipulator and a liar. Don't trust your experience over the Bible. Satan says, I'm tough. Don't just go, oh, I guess he is because he told me so. Yeah, but actually I'm tougher because I'm filled with the entirety of the fullness of God. Amen? Shield? Next is the shield of faith. And I already read the verse. By grace we have been saved through faith. It is a gift from God so none can boast. Again, my shield is just like my salvation. It's just belief in God. But the Bible says that God gave you your faith. So he put the shield on you. He gave you the shield. I'm not saying the Bible doesn't say there are places where we can strengthen and grow our faith. There's totally room for that. But your initial faith was a gift from God to you that all you had to say was yes to. And when you put it on, so again, this, the whole point I'm trying to make is the armor. None of it has anything to do with you. It's just remembering the aspects of Jesus that protect us. 
Because last is the sword, which is the word of God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and dwelt among men. The word of God is Jesus, right? And so when we know Jesus and know who he is, and we recognize, wait, he wouldn't have me lose to you because he said the gates of hell won't prevail against his church. I'm saved. I'm your church. Oh, yeah, I won. The helmet, Jesus, faith, Jesus, the word of God, Jesus, truth, Jesus, righteousness, Jesus. What's your responsibility then? Just put it on and stand. Amen? Why is it so easy? Second, second Colossians, Colossians chapter 2. I am on one today with all these verses wrong. What is going on? Right? Colossians chapter 2. And you being dead in your trespasses and uncircumcision of your flesh, I'm not encouraged yet. You will be. Uh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. That means the ones later too. Right? So the sins that you commit tomorrow, you're actually already forgiven for them. But let's keep going. And you, oh, uh, we got to keep going. And having wiped out the handwriting of requirements against us, you hear that? Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements. What's that? These are all the things I did wrong. This is the law I had to live to. This is the perfect life I had to live. Jesus said, nah, don't worry about that. Just know me. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life, which was contrary to us. And he taken it out and nailed it to the cross. The religion that says you have to live a certain way, you have to dress a certain way and walk a certain way to be a Christian, got crucified with him too. Amen? You're free. What's, what do I have to do? Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. There's a thing that naturally happens when the armor's on. Because when I put on the armor, all it is is recognizing Jesus. And when you recognize someone being so good to you, you live for them. It's a natural thing that happens. Those of you in happy, committed marriages, it's probably because of all the selfless things your spouse does for you and how loving they are to you and how well they take care of you. You know? That's my, that's my experience. I think I have the best wife in the freaking world. And honestly, when I read verses like this, I'm not saying I see her as Jesus, but they, re they remind me. They remind me again of, man, this is so easy for me to understand because I've had it so good. And I didn't deserve it because God is so good. He gave me that. And I, I, she's got to talk to God about what God gave her. <laughs> that's, that's their relationship to have because, because I'm sitting here just like on a cloud, just loving the game. And she's like this joker, right? But that's, you know, like she's hot. I've looked in a mirror. I'm, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like there's a numbers difference, but God is good. Um, that, but see, that's the favor of God. I put on the helmet of salvation and God, okay. Uh, and number 15, verse 15. Having, okay, this is the one. By the way, we're going to memorize this one. Forget we rest not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. Instead, let's say having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphed over them. Why are you wrestling with a foe you've triumphed over? Do you know what a spectacle is? It's a parade. So let's, let's give an example. I'm the king of Vegas. I'm not, but I am for this example. Boom. Teacher Thomas, now nah, this can be weird. Uh, Johnny two by four, we'll use him. Um, that's from Ed, Ed, and Eddie, brought them together. Um, Johnny two by four, right? He owns Henderson. And he's been coming against me. And so I go out and I just wreck his army with my army, <laughs> right? Which is what Jesus did. And the spectacle is here's what I do, and this, it's a little awkward, but 
olden times were old, you know. Um, I stripped them all naked because why not? I did that on accident. I stripped them all naked, so why not? I stripped the king naked because why not? I chained them and I walked them through Vegas in front of all of my people to see how badly I overcame their enemy. That guy you were afraid of, that guy that you thought, that was on purpose, the guy that had overcome, the guy that you thought owned you, the one, oh, I have a spirit of an orphan, I have a spirit of fear, I'm anxious, I'm angry, These, I have all this stuff on me, I have a spirit of lust. Hello, uh, that's not a real thing either, there's no Bible verse about that. And he's walking them in front of you and saying, look at them, look how weak they are, I've overcome, and when did he make a spectacle of them? Satan thought he won on the cross, and then Jesus woke up. And for every fear, there's an empty grave, right? For every struggle going on in my life, there's an empty grave. Jesus proved when Satan threw his worst at me, I still stood strong. And so will you. Because the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead is now alive in you. If him raising Christ Jesus from the dead was the spectacle, then what it says is now alive in you means you get to make a spectacle too. Stop giving the enemy so much power. For my last nine minutes and nine seconds, um, I want to answer one more question. Okay, let's say theologically, I believe you. Theologically, I can overcome. Theologically, I'm strong. Theologically, the enemy has no right in my life. These spirits that I give credit, you're right. I need to stop giving them credit. I need to be free. But here's the question. If all that's true, why do I keep failing? Why do I keep struggling? Why are these spirits still around? And why do I still have these same weaknesses? Okay. You're not going to like the answer. I promise. But it's important we talk about it. Because what I say in the original, in the beginning of this, here's the, the real question of the day. How's your soul? James chapter 1. Hopefully. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his, let's keep this here. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires. The original sin was Adam, not Satan. Because if sin came into the world because of Adam, or because of Satan, then Jesus would have had to become an angel and die to bring sinlessness into the world. But he had to come in the form of man and take man's place. And though Satan had fallen, it was when Adam fell that the animals began to eat each other and that the first death began to happen and that weeds began to grow. The curse didn't come because of Satan. The curse came because mankind. Sin begins in man. And it is an uncomfortable biblical truth. Satan didn't make you fearful. Fear is in you. And Jesus has got to heal that. But next verse, then when desire is conceived, right? So I'm led astray by my own temptations from inside of me. It leads to desire and gives birth to sin. When I give in to my desires, that's when sin takes place. Where is Satan in this equation? He's not there. Because though he may talk and say, hey, you should go do that, he didn't do it for you. Why didn't he do it for you? Because he doesn't possess you. He's not in control of you. See, unsafe people, again, what does is, what is the Bible say about them? Oh, well, don't be mad at them. Because we're not wrestling against them. We're wrestling against powers and principalities in them. But for a Christian, 
He's saying, no, no, it's nothing to do with Satan anymore. It's in us. We want to do it. Well, why can't I stop watching porn? Because you want to watch porn. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah you do. <laughs> you just mentally don't. But your heart's not in it yet. I knew a man named Pastor Paul. And he said when he first found God, he used to have to pray this to God all the time. He would say, God, make me want to want to be free. Because I recognize, though I say I want to be free, I really don't or I'd stop. God, walk me through these desires because in truth, I do desire them more than I desire you. And, and freedom comes through honesty. And honesty leads to repentance. And by the way, repentance is not saying I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, man, why, why did you lie to that person? Oh, but God forgave me because I repented. Well, if, are you going to lie tomorrow? Maybe. Then you didn't repent. Because repent is to turn around an action and walk differently. Repentance is to live different. Right? So honesty comes before repentance, but repentance is the next step. But guys, Paul makes it clear. Sometimes repentance, it really involves people walking with you. We need community because we can't overcome the enemy by ourselves. And many of you say, man, I'm struggling with God. I don't really know if I, what I think about him. I don't really, I'm still like, I'm not really into this community thing, into this God thing. Listen to me. You're going to stay stuck. Until you take that first step. Because freedom comes through the doing, not the doing through the freedom. Careful if you quote that. It might seem like heresy out of context. Um, and then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full, brings forth death. Death. I got one more verse for you. This one actually says warfare. It's very exciting. First Peter chapter 2. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, I had teacher help me pronounce that word last night, um, abstain from fleshly lusts, which against your soul. I'm a Christian, I believe in Jesus, but why do I still feel rejected? Because you give in to that feeling, and that feeling wars against your soul. Your soul is where everything happens. The soul is the mind, Right? Like I said, the spirit is infinitely submitted to God. You know that part of you that no matter how bad you get, you still feel something right. Like, man, I shouldn't do this. That's not your soul. That's not your flesh. That's your spirit. That's God whispering to you. But that part of you, and let's face it, it's a real part that we all have in us that says, screw the church. Screw these people. I want to live my life. I'm going to do what I want. That's not Satan. That's us. That's the flesh. So, guys, it's not Satan versus God in my life. It's me and my desire to rebel against God in my life. And so what sits right in the middle is my soul. And when I give in to my flesh, my flesh attacks my soul and hurts me and breaks me. And when I give in to my spirit, you ever just had a day where you feel untouchable? Where you wake up and your mind's in the right place. You worship and God just shows up. You pray and it's just fire. You go out and you're just talking to your coworkers. You just have favor all day and you're just walking in it. That's because your soul is resting firmly on your spirit. And God is moving mightily in your life. Guys, spiritual warfare has nothing to do with you and Satan. You've already beat him. So stop giving him credit. Because when you give him credit, you look away from what I need to deal with. And what I need to deal with is far more personal. It's me. Oh, yeah, yeah, let's do that. 
how are you, you going to pull this one out of the hole? Are you just going to end depressed? Maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's, that's a thing. That's a fact. We can, um, there are only three places I know where you can actively choose. Sounds so much more spirit. Are you showing up? Or, um, <laughs> um, where I can actively choose to let my soul surrender to my spirit. Write these three down. It's really profound. You've probably never heard it before. First is your secret place. <laughs> it's the place you go to talk to God. It's the place you worship. It's the place you surrender. Second is your community. Is it profound yet? Uh, second is your community. It's the place where you talk to people and you get honest about what you're going through. Guys, you're not doing community if you're not willing to bleed. Amen? And the truth is we have to bleed together sometimes. And that's why I said the real question of today is how is your soul? Because warfare has nothing to do with what the enemy's doing in your life. And it has everything to do with how I'm doing with God. And really, when, when we say, hey, who needs a prayer request right now? You can turn it off. Who needs a prayer request right now? And we say, oh, uh, yeah, I need a prayer request. Can you just pray? I've been getting mad lately. But like really you're cheating on your wife? You know, and so we feel good about the fact that we admitted, oh, I'm admitting that I have a struggle, but the real problem is killing us. It's because we're not willing to bleed. I'll give you a gimme so you feel like I'm doing okay, so that I'm trying. But really, I'm hiding where I'm really at. Amen? And there are some of you in this season who have been brutally honest and you have been seeing breakthroughs. Man, I'm, I mean... I'm having like, like you, bro, you encourage me so much. Some of the conversations we've been having scare me a little bit, you know, because it's like, honestly, it's like, uh, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm 25. How do I deal with this? And yet he's been getting breakthrough. He's been walking up to us with his Bible and being like, yo, like, I've been reading. What do you think about it? And it's like, whoa, what is going on? This almost sounds like Christianity here. You're freaking me out, you know? And you know what I'm saying? Like, and I see you guys. I see some of you trying, and some of you you are not there yet, but you're showing up, and it's all you've got right now. Then keep showing up. Keep getting prayed for and keep getting loved on. Talk about it, though. That makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> you know what makes me uncomfortable? Going to work. Still got to do it. <laughs> you know what makes me uncomfortable? This Vegas heat. I'm still here. Right? Just add it to the list. Right? Because you, you're doing things that make you uncomfortable all day. It's not a good excuse. You know? Um, but we got to talk. And we got to be honest. Because what we're really warring against is us. Look, I'm not saying Satan won't pop up and you won't have a moment where, oh, this person has a spirit. Well, there is a spirit in my room. But I'm going to give you a one-step guide. In the name of Jesus, go. But in the Bible, didn't Jesus say that some only come out through fasting and prayer? Yeah, fasting is relationship with God and prayer is relationship with God. So know Jesus and interact with him daily and you'll naturally overcome the enemy. See, the problem is the disciples walked away from Jesus and thought they were all that in a bag of chips. And so they couldn't beat this demon. And Jesus, who spent 40 days on the mountain, strolled in and was like, yo, he didn't fast for the demon. He was just a man who naturally fasted. So the demon naturally fled. It's a lifestyle thing. It's not a preparation thing. 
I don't fast to prepare for the enemy. That's dumb. I'm giving the enemy too much focus. Personally, I fast for hunger. Okay, obviously that makes sense because you're not eating. No, I fast. God, as I'm getting hungry for real, make me hungrier for you. That's my personal fast. Every time. Amen? Talk to each other. And when we come up and we pray, actually, can I get the prayer team? And actually, honestly, if also, if you're in like leadership, like eldership or higher, can you also join this line? Here's the fact and here's the truth. Oh, wretched man that I am. The things I want to do, I, I don't do. And the things I don't want to do, I do. Paul said that. We all have it in us. We all have a struggle that's maybe a little too much for us. And it's not your job to beat it. It's your job to be honest, get accountable, and let God heal you in this room. Amen? Listen to me. This church is going to be a very practical church. Because I refuse to preach the sermons that would fill a room in like a, in like a, like a concert kind of way. I want to preach the messages that, that put sheep in the room. I heard a pastor say something and it stuck with me. The Bible says that there are goats that come into the community and there are sheep and God's going to separate them. And he said, I'm, I'm here to feed sheep, not entertain goats. And that really stuck with me. Because I got, I got some of you in this room, plus me, we could grow this thing the wrong way and it would be awesome. I've done it. I've done it multiple times. It's because people are looking for an entertainment thing. But let it not be us. Amen? Let us seek freedom. And eventually when people get tired of the show and they're looking for freedom, they'll make their way here. And they'll find that they're loved. And they'll find people that can walk with them. But the first step is being honest. How's your soul?